Diverse voices. Unique sound. Not the same old thing. Different. Different. This is NOCO FM. And welcome to another edition of Corbin versus the World. I am your hero, Corbin David Albaugh, here to bring you the greatest tunes of yesterday, today, and tomorrow. It is the fourth week of March, and let me offer my hearty congratulations to all of my Colorado brethren for surviving the great polar fuckstorm of 2019. My condolences to Nebraska, which is still, to my knowledge, underwater. I'm also glad that the weather has bounced back. You wouldn't know that we were in a massive Hoth-like blizzard condition by looking outside now, which only speaks to how well climate change is affecting the world around us. So good job, climate change, for keeping us on our toes. I have no idea what weather I'm going to get the next morning. It's like rolling a D20. Anyway... I'm really glad to be back here in the studio. I was super bummed out about not being able to do a full show for all of you last week. But don't worry, I am back with a vengeance. And I am proud to say that it has been a month since the last time I talked about politics, which means legally I am allowed to do so in this episode. And what a great time to do it. Last week, Beto O'Rourke announced his candidacy for the presidency of the United States and him seeking the Democratic nomination, which brings the grand total of declared candidates up to 16. So we are now past the total number of fighters in the second Mortal Kombat game. Let's see how many more we can pile on as we get closer and closer to the date. And I think Beto announcing his candidacy is significant in the chain of events of this election cycle and our political climate, because I think it serves as kind of the last chapter in the last two years of our history where us Democrats and progressives were all kind of getting along with each other and just bonding over the fact that we really didn't like whatever Trump thing was in the news that day. That time is over. Cyrus is fucking dead, and it is time for the gangs to go to war yet again. Because we were already starting to get rumblings of it when Bernie announced his candidacy, but you're going to expect that. That's building up old wounds from 2016. You're going to expect some saltiness. But I was not anticipating the amount of knives that were going to come out after the first 24 hours that Beto announced his candidacy and raised over $6 million in that time. For context, that means that Beto O'Rourke's campaign can afford 102,296 pre-ordered copies of the new Mortal Kombat game with Shao Kahn as free DLC. So if that doesn't put things into perspective for you guys, I don't know what will. And this is obviously a very significant number because it eclipses the amount of money raised by any other candidate up to this point, even Kamala Harris even Bernie Sanders. And so now this primary preliminary season has become an episode of Everybody Hates Beto, as Beto is seeing attacks from both the left and the right, as establishment Democrats are attacking him for not having any actual policy positions, which uh, I'm not a political analyst, but I don't really think that stuff is really necessary especially in a post-Trump universe. I think that we can all agree that if 2016 taught us anything, it's that there are no rules in American politics. And, of course, you're getting criticisms from the more progressive left-leaning voting populace by saying that it could be primarily corporate donations, corporate money, and, of course, we don't like those terrible, horrible, no-good, very bad corporations. But I am just offering an earnest plea to my fellow progressives. Let's not be like John Cleese in The Life of Brian saying, we hate the People's Front of Judea. We're the 
Judean People's Front. That is how democratic politics sound. And if there is one thing I know is constant in every election cycle, it's that Republicans vote lockstep every single time and Democrats get lost in a hodgepodge mosh pit of I am more progressive than you. So can we please not do this? Let's not start this now. And let's especially keep this in mind when Joe Biden inevitably announces his candidacy in a couple weeks and muddies this shit even further. It's going to suck. It's going to be brutal. And I understand the tactic that the Democrats are adopting right now because the Republican hate machine can only hate so many people at a time. So if we attack them with 16 candidates, it does kind of lessen that strategic edge. But we need to make sure that we do not fight amongst ourselves. We need to remember that the most important policy position going into 2020 is the fact that your candidate is not immediately Donald Trump. And obviously, I will admit I'm coming out as a Beto supporter. I can't help it. He talked about minor threat in an interview once, and therefore he has my undying loyalty. I can't help it. It also helps that he looks like a version of John Elway that fell into a taffy stretching machine, but that's kind of tangential. I'm just beginning with an earnest plea. Hey, Democrats, please let Beto have a seat at the lunch table. It's way too early to start the food fight now. I'm going to stop talking politics now and turn your attention to some tunes. I've got a track by a band called Yak, and that song is called Bellyache. Make sure you don't try. 
Welcome back to Corbin versus the World, where we are just as scared as you about the new Fox and Disney merger. You just got done listening to Bellyache by the band Yak off of their new album, Pursuit of Momentary Happiness. Followed up was Black Rainbow Sound by Menace Beach. And rounding us out was Prism by Small Leaks Sink Ships. Getting back to that whole Disney thing. Holy shit, terrifying. How much bigger can Mickey Mouse get? Must he feed again? I don't understand. For those of you who don't follow demoralizing late-stage capitalism news, Disney recently devoured slash acquired 21st Century Fox to the tune of $71.4 billion. Now, for context, that means that 21st Century Fox can now purchase 238 million copies of Mortal Kombat 11 pre-ordered with the Shao Kahn DLC with a scorpion mask, which is a definite bargain. Uh, also, we are not at all sponsored by Midway or the Mortal Kombat games, although they are super dope. Ed Boon, send me a free copy, please. Also put Noob Saibot in the game. Get over here! Now, I say demoralizing because superficially, 
like all late stage capitalism news, this is good news because now this means that Disney now has, in addition to their current Marvel all-star team, they now have property of the X-Men and the Fantastic Four franchise, which means that we might actually get a good Fantastic Four movie in our universe, which might actually open up the gate to the apocalypse, because at this point, it seems to be an impossible task. But people are very hyped about that, and obviously, from a fanboy perspective, that's awesome. But the other thing to consider is that now Disney owns 40% of the movie studios, and that is terrifying. No single corporation especially one that invested so much money into Hillary Duff and the Jonas Brothers, should have that kind of control of the entertainment market. I'm just worried about what this means for our economic landscape moving forward because I feel like if we keep letting these purchases and these super corporations grow unchecked, eventually in 20 years, we're just going to have three giant corporations. There's going to be Disney, Amazon, and Jimmy John's. Because I think that people are about to get really, really, really fucking into Jimmy John's. And that is a stock tip that you can take home today. Don't say you don't learn shit on this show. I just made you a millionaire and you don't even know it. In other flawed, bogus entertainment news, they finally released the lineup for Lollapalooza, in case you wanted to depress yourself further. And don't worry, guys, Ariana Grande is headlining this one, too. Why the fuck is Ariana Grande in everything? And why the fuck haven't we decided how we feel about her up to this point? Because I thought that she was like a B-team Beyonce, where everyone was like, yay, queen, except she's not a queen. So it's like, yay, princess, or something to that effect. I don't know how like pop culture hierarchy works, but then I read the think pieces that say like, oh, she darkens her skin. Oh, she embodies toxic femininity. And then they turn around and they book her to headline every fucking music festival. And she's always in the headlines. And she dates Pete Davidson, who apparently has a magic penis. And I just don't understand where her place is in the universe and it's causing me a lot of existential pain and i just don't understand what Lollapalooza is going for anymore because their headlines are ariana fuck grande childish gambino 21 pilots the strokes tame impala flume the chain smokers and jay balvin who the fuck is jay balvin i would like to consider myself Pretty well read as far as current music goes. I have no clue who Jay Balvin is. He is a fucking anomaly to me. I don't know who he is. I looked him up on Spotify. Apparently, he did the beat for Cardi B's I Like It Like That. I don't know who this person is. Why is he headlining Lollapalooza? Why are we catering to EDM motherfuckers for festivals? Why isn't anything cool anymore? God damn it. I give up on everything. Here's more tunes while I go cry. This is Girl Crush by Self-Esteem.
Welcome back to Corbin versus the world. You just got done hearing Girl Crush by Self Esteem off of her obnoxiously good album, Compliments Please, followed up by Fashionista by the band Chai. And you might be thinking, hey, Corbin, didn't you play Chai a few weeks ago? And I will say, hey, great memory, but bite me. Chai is an amazing band and they melt my face. So that was their song, Fashionista, off the album Punk. That came out a couple weeks ago. And rounding us out was Laurel Meets the Obsolete. That's the name of the band and their song, Linnaeus en Hojas, which I really hope that I got that pronunciation right. If not, then I wasted 10 years in New Mexico. Speaking of wasted years, MySpace, of all goddamn things, was in the news last week on the news that apparently... Someone did a major black belt level goof and deleted all of their music from 2003 to 2015. Now, they did bury the lead a little bit in that the implication is that people were still using MySpace as late as 2015, but we didn't explore that, apparently. Also, I want to take this quick moment to acknowledge that there is an alternate universe out there where the Winklevoss twins did suffocate Mark Zuckerberg in his sleep and MySpace still reigns supreme and there is a giant picture of Tom in Times Square and we all bow to him two times a day, every day, for the rest of time. MySpace actually had a lot of really good qualities and maybe this is nostalgia talking, but I am willing to go to bat for the fact that A, MySpace taught you how to use HTML, which was a very valuable skill. It also taught you that all chain letters were bullshit, and you got the ability to put whatever song you wanted on your profile, which is the one thing that I wish, with all the bullshit that Facebook has introduced in the last 10 odd years, you would think that embedding a song into your profile would be in there at some point, because I would always take sick sadistic pleasure in the fact that if someone was looking at my profile, they would have to listen to Hoobastank's The Reason, and there was nothing they could do to get out of that shit. They were trapped in my Hoobastank universe that I had created with my good buddy Tom and his HTML that he taught me. So yeah, I kind of miss MySpace a little bit, but I just want to explore for one second. Just let me dance on this and play a little jazz on this idea that they somehow lost all their fucking music for 12 years. And I got my cogs spinning thinking about this because there are three scenarios in my mind that would cause this to come about. The first scenario is that MySpace has such a simplistic setup that somewhere on their mainframe computer or whatever, there's just a big old fucking button that says, do not press this, we'll delete all the things. And it's just there and anyone at any given point might hit it on a goof. That I think is unlikely. Scenario number two, they hired someone who is such a goddamn shinobi Jedi master level fuck up that they were able to fall through all the various safeguards and widgets needed to protect these so valuable songs and somehow clicked and deleted all that shit. I don't think that's likely either. So I submit to you a third scenario. This is my conspiracy theory. You can have your flat earths and your reptile people. I will have my MySpace conspiracy. I think in this scenario, a long time ago, back in the ancient days of 2002, 2003, when people still gave a shit about MySpace, there was some person who created an emo band called like Behind the Darkest Veil or, you know, some shit from my big book of third wave emo band names. And they made a music page and it was filled with shitty brand new covers and the singer's voice broke on every other song and it sucked and they were really embarrassed about it. But they forgot about it. And more importantly, they forgot their login information and they forgot the login information to the retrieval email. There was literally no way that they could access this terrible music that they had recorded years and years and years ago. So the only solution 
was clear. They had to get hired at MySpace and then ascend Game of Thrones-like through subterfuge and espionage to the level of security clearance where they could finally delete this music once and for all and their life would be safe. That, I think, is my theory. On a related note, I don't fall asleep until 3 o'clock in the morning each night. Thanks for asking. Anyway, I have more tunes lined up for you. Karen O has a new album out with Danger Mouse because we are peak 2006 right now. We've got new National coming out, new Vampire Weekend. The Strokes are doing things now. Fucking Modest Mouse and the Black Keys are on tour, which is super random. But again, apparently we're at peak 2006. So now we just need Animal Collective to do a thing. And maybe the Moldy Peaches can do some movie soundtrack. I don't know. But this is Karen O and Danger Mouse and their song, Woman. Please. 
Welcome back to Corbin versus the World. I am your hero, Corbin David Allball. You just got done hearing tracks by Karen O and Danger Mouse. That was her song, Woman, followed up by BC Camplight and his song, I'm in a Weird Place Now. And finally, we had Disc, that's with a Q, Disc, and their song, Communication. And we are just now bringing this plane in for a soft, soft landing here at Corbin versus the world. I am getting sick, which you can tell because my voice is like 10% more scratchy than usual. I am going to cure this illness the same way I cure all of my illnesses by ignoring it dramatically because... Diseases are just like Kardashians. They only survive based on attention. If you don't look, they will die. Watch that Simpsons episode. You'll know what I'm talking about. Thank you all so much for tuning in to this episode of Corbin vs. the World. Please, pretty please, with sugar on top, check out our website at NoCoFM. You can find our entire playlist archived in case you missed a song track. You can check it there. You can also listen to any previous shows of Corbin versus the world, as well as all of the other fantastic shows that we have on our network. Also be sure to check out our Patreon page and throw us a donation. If you donate just $2 a month, which is a fraction of a cost of the newest Mortal Kombat game, you get to dedicate a song on this show and I will not make fun of you. I swear. Also, be sure to follow me on Instagram at Corbin versus the world. I am still running the worst song of all time tournament so that we can get our finalist by April Fool's Day. Also, check out NoCo FM on Instagram as well. Thank you all for tuning in to this episode. I have nothing else snappy to say. Here's more tunes. Appreciate you.
This has been a production of NOCO FM.